You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. As Pastor Keith was mentioning, uh, as pastors and some leaders, we've been away at a conference this week. I feel a little bit like uh, one of the cyclists in the Tour de France who goes back to the team car, who loads up with like 20 drink bottles and then rides forward so that he can distribute all these full drink bottles to the rest of his team. I feel full this morning and I know that God has filled me up for one purpose and that is to pour it out into you guys this morning. So uh, can I, can I, let's go, let's do this. I don't want to muck around this morning. I'm, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm more like, this isn't coffee this morning. This is the power of God ready to be released. I don't normally do this. I normally get you guys to sit, but maybe maybe can we stand, remain standing while I, I read some scripture this morning. It's going to be on the screen. I'm going to throw the AV guys out because it's not my first slide, but luckily they have skills. I want to read two very short passages of Scripture and then I'm going to attempt to preach what God has put on my heart, believing that His Word has been written with a power to set you free and to take you into a new reality this morning. So starting at Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 to 3, I'm going to read from the New King James this morning. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I am giving them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you. And in John chapter 5, verses 2 to 9, it says, Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind, lame, and paralyzed, lay on the porches. One of the men laying there had been sick for 38 years. When Jesus saw him and knew how long he had been ill, he asked him, Would you like to get well? I can't, sir. The sick man said, For I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred up. While I am trying to get there, someone else always gets in ahead of me. Jesus told him, Stand up, pick up your sleeping mat, and walk. Instantly the man was healed. He rolled up the mat and began walking. Heavenly Father, I pray today that you would fire up stand up inside of us this morning. Lord, that You would develop in us a fresh revelation that Your Spirit that is all-powerful, Your Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us and You are calling us to stand up, to speak to the mountains in our world and to see them move because You have given us and You have made a way for us to walk into every promise that You have written in Your Word. And so this morning, we will shake the prison doors open in our lives and walk into a new place of freedom in the name of Jesus. 
Amen. Amen. Thanks, team. Aren't these guys awesome? Come on, you know that. You know that when the preacher and the worship leader are twinning, it's going to be winning. Yeah, I just made that up. Thanks for your uh, jovial attitudes. I love gathering together. There's something powerful when we as the church, as the church, gather. It is one thing for us to be out in the world. It is another when the family comes together. There's something special and something powerful happens when we gather together to lift up His name, when we gather united with one purpose to see His name lifted high, something happens um, that, that I believe is unique to the gathering of the people. It's why the writer of Hebrews tells us, let's not forsake the gathering. You know, when, when, when society is telling us there's all sorts of things to do, there's all sorts of things uh, grabbing at our time, grabbing at our resource, grabbing at, grabbing at our, our capacity, Let's not forsake the gathering together because it's in the gathering that we're built up. It's in the gathering that we're encouraged. It's in the gathering that we're able to build up each other and encourage each other and lift each other and ultimately leave with a bigger capacity and, a, and an increased capacity to be able to do what we're called to do in life. So let's not forsake the gathering of the family. You know, I don't, I don't know if you guys uh, remember uh, what it was like when you got your license. I know things have changed a lot uh, in terms of the generations present here this morning, what it looked like. But I know for me, when I got my license, uh, I went to the RTA uh, and I had to do a driving test. Um, praise the Lord, I didn't have to do a logbook. All right, I was pre-logbook, uh, but I was post-green peas. So I'm somewhere in the transition from an easy license to a difficult license. But I remember... Uh, uh, when I had completed the test, I walked into the, the RTA, I, I met with the lady at the desk and I had my instructor with me and I, I remember the first thing she said, she said, well, look, first of all, you passed. Then she went on and she told me all the things I'd done wrong. I can't tell you what those are because I didn't listen. She'd already told me I passed, that's all that mattered to me, right? Maybe some of you need to hear that Jesus has told you that you've passed and it's okay. I've read the end of the book, you make it. Let's not worry about all the things that we do long. Let's worry about what God says we do right and what's right inside of us. That one was for free. Um, you see, getting your license for me was like an amazing piece of freedom. I could finally go wherever I wanted, whenever I wanted, however I wanted. But because of that, it was also an incredible test of the maturity of my, of, of my character. You see, I was able to get my license at a particular age, but the way that I functioned in the freedom that it brought me was a test of how mature my nature had become by that age. Can you imagine if we let toddlers drive cars? Right, like I've got a three-year-old. He loves to sit in the front seat of my car. He's always like, Daddy, can I drive? Daddy, can I drive? I'll sit him in the front seat uh, without the keys in the ignition and uh, let him pretend that he's steering, let him pretend that he's, he's chirping through the gears and, and whatever. But, but seriously, uh, if, if I let him, he would give it a go because at this stage in his, his development, he's Mr. Independent. He thinks that he can do everything. Um, whenever I try to help him, uh, I get told, Daddy, I can do it. 
in that, in that tone, let me tell you, this, he's, got, he's got some incredible uh, determination, which will one day hold him in good stead, but right now needs to be shaped, um, as most of you parents would understand what that shaping looks like. You see, my job is not to keep him young. My job is that as he grows to shape his character so that when he arrives at particular points of freedom, he has the character to sustain him in, <clears throat> excuse me, in those places of freedom. My job is to shape him so that when he becomes an adult, he's capable of functioning successfully as an adult. You see, God is not looking for dependent infants. He is looking for mature co-laborers. If we're going to be able to stand and make declarations like Joshua did, you remember on Father's Day, we we visited a declaration that Joshua made, Joshua 24, the end of Joshua's life. He stood up in front of the whole nation and he said, you know what, as for me and my house, we are going to serve the Lord. Do you know what was developed in Joshua to enable him to stand before the whole nation and say that irrespective of what they thought and irrespective of what they were going to do? It was a lifetime of fighting battles. It was a lifetime of fighting wars. Do not, do not get in your psyche that somehow you are going to be able to stand in front of the nation of Israel, Joshua, unless you have gone through some battles to develop in you what you need to have developed to be able to stand when the time comes for you to stand. There are no warriors without wars. There are no overcomers without having something to overcome. Victory begins when we get up. It is this call that we encounter in both of our stories this morning. Both Joshua and our crippled man in in John are both told the same thing. Arise, stand up, get up, stop staying in the place that you're currently in. Stop remaining. It's time for you to move forwards. It's time for you to get up on your feet. It's time for you to walk into the promise that God has for you. You have been in that place long enough. Joshua 1-2. We're going we're gonna to dissect this little conversation that God has with Joshua. We're going to take it almost word by word and we're going to pull some stuff out and we're going to correlate it with this, this other story in John and by the end of this, I'm hoping that the Holy Spirit has spoken to you in a way that you realize you have something in you that God has placed in you to enable you to stand up and not require God to lift you off the mat each and every day because He needs for you to be able to stand up by yourself so you can begin to co-labor with Him, not rely on Him to just stand up in your life life. Joshua 1-2 starts out like this. It says he's dead. Moses is dead. It's done. I don't know what's happened to you. I don't know what situation has occurred that's got you on the map, but it's happened. It's in the past. Unless it's occurring to you in this very split second nano moment right now, it's in the past. You cannot go back. That situation is as good as dead. You are past it. You are beyond it. You are in a place that is now called now. I believe this morning is a now morning. 
We need to recognize that the things that got us in the mat, the things that halted our progress, the things that caused us to, to become crippled and paralyzed in this life happened behind us. They happened in a life that Jesus tells us has been crucified on the cross with him. And I don't know about you, but, but Jesus died. That means that whatever has put me on the mat in life has also been killed. It's dead. It's like Moses. That time has finished. That moment has gone. That situation is past. Even if it feels real to you right now, that is not the truth. The truth is that it was on the body of Christ on the cross. It went in the grave with him and it did not come back out. The past is past. Now is now. After he, he reminds Joshua that he is living in the now and he's not to live in the past, he says, now that you're living in the now, Joshua, now that you're ready to take a hold of what is now and you're not worried about what has been, uh, arise. Now that you're in the now, get up. Now that, now that the Moses is dead and that situation is gone, you need to realize that you're not just going to stay in this little nice camp. You've grieved Moses. That's great. Now it's time. Joshua, I don't need you just uh, looking after this little group of Israelites on this side of the Jordan River. I need you to get up. There is a promised land. There is a promise to be conquered. There are cities to be taken over. There are places to be won. And it cannot be done if you remain in this place. Joshua, arise. Get up. Don't be like the man in John who allowed something to keep him crippled and on the mat for 38 years. The reality of, of the humanity that we live in is that living in this life, we come up against things that will cripple us. There is no doubt. We come up against things that will, for a moment, for a time, for a period, they will paralyze us. Do not be fooled into thinking, I know that I'm young, but I've been through some things and I've recognized that this life will try its best to put you on the mat. It will try its best to paralyze you from moving forward. It will try its best to cripple you and it will try its best to keep you stationary for as long as it can because the devil knows that if you realize the power of God is inside of you and you begin to rise up in that power, you are dangerous. Because if you rise up and you begin to walk into the promised land that God has for you, you are going to defeat cities and you are going to put a stake in the ground and begin to win things and see the kingdom of God established on earth as it is in heaven. So I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's doubt, maybe it's, maybe it's that business deal that went wrong 10 years ago, maybe it's the divorce, maybe it's the, the unemployment situation. I don't know what it is in your life that is trying to cripple you, but I'm here to tell you that God has come to say it's time to arise. It's time to shake that stuff off and know that God is in you for a reason and that is that you would stand up on your feet and begin to walk. I don't know what insurmountable object is standing in front of you, whether it appears like a mountain or whether it appears like it did for the Israelites, a big, bulging, raging River Jordan. That river was incredibly real. 
your situation is incredibly real. I'm not trying to pass it off as some conceptual, emotional moment. No, our situations are real. That Jordan River was right in front of them. It was as real as it comes. Standing on the edge of that, Joshua was getting sprayed in the face with the spray of the wind as it blew off. I can tell you right now, that thing was so real to him. It was up in his face. It was doing all it could to stop him from taking one step into that water. Because I know that when he took one step, the Bible tells us that the water parted up near Adam and, and, and over time as he remained in that place believing that as he stood up in the Jordan River God was going to make a way he stared at that real thing in his face he took the water in the face he, but he was determined that he was not going to be stopped from crossing that thing you see right I love in John 5 where as Jesus approaches the man and says he'd been there for 38 years. But Jesus knew. He knows. He knows. He knows. He knows exactly what you face. He knows every single thing that, that tries to come back at you from your past. He knows every mistake that tries to rear its head again in your mind. He knows, he knows. He knows those thoughts that battle against you. See, you're his child. Don't miss this. There is a, there is a beautiful intimacy in this moment because he knows. I know all about Addy. I know him better than he knows him. I know all his little idiosyncrasies. I know all the mistakes that he's made in his young life. I was there when he made most of them. I know all the fears that he has. I know all the difficulties he has to overcome. And I'm there when he falls over to pick him right back up again. But I do not want to be someone that teaches my boy that he cannot stand on his own. You see, my job is, yes, to pick him up when he is young, but to use his pain for a purpose. And that is to teach him that he has the capacity to stand on his own two feet. If I do not teach that to my boy as he grows up, when he becomes an adult by age, he will not have the capacity to walk and to do what he's called to do as an adult in this life. Crippled man for 38 years. You know what that tells me? It tells me that he was dependent for 38 years. He was dependent on people bringing him food. He was dependent on people bringing him water. And he tells us, I cannot get in the pool because no one is here to take me into the water. He was dependent on other people for his healing. He was dependent on other people for the thing he thought that he wanted. He was dependent on other people for every facet of his life. Is it no doubt then that when healing was about to come into his world, Jesus made sure that he did not reach down and just pick him up or that man would not have been able to walk the next day because he would still have thought he was dependent on that situation to occur time and time and time again. No, Jesus looked at him. He said, I know, but get up because when I'm not here tomorrow in your world, I need you to know that you're no longer dependent on other people in your world to bring you food and to bring you water, but that you are able to stand on your own two feet. The Israelites, 
Interestingly enough, almost exactly the same amount of time that this man remained crippled and paralyzed on his mat, they wandered in the wilderness dependent on God every day, every day for where's the cloud, where's the fire, I can't make my own decision in the direction that I'm going in my life because I'm dependent on God saying each morning, we're going over here, we're going over there. I tell you, there's, there's something that happens when someone becomes the age of an adult and they stop asking their parents for every single point of direction and they begin to go, I know what I've been made for and I'm going to step out with a confidence into the direction that I know I'm called to go. And that was what this Jordan moment uh, symbolized for the Israelites. They were shifting from 38 years of dependence into a future that was going to be about co-laboring with God to take a hold of the promised land that the Lord had promised to them, but He knew they had to be a partner in gaining with Him. And they drink. Ah. I've had this stirring in me for a while. I don't know if you can tell. The Israelites relied on God for manna every single morning, but the day they stepped into the promised land, the manna stopped. See, God's destiny for them required warriors, not wimps. It required men, not infants, not boys. I'm not talking about age. I'm talking about spiritual maturity. You see, the step in maturity required to survive after the daily manna had stopped, that step was found in stepping into the Jordan. Because that, I believe, there was no cloud that went over the Jordan. It stayed there with them and it said, move, move forward. Time for you to take a step. You know where I've called you. You know what my promise is. You know that land is yours. For the man to live successfully beyond his own healing, he could not remain dependent. See, God doesn't want to spoon feed us for our whole lives. Infants don't establish kingdoms. They don't storm cities and they don't win wars. Infants do not triumph over evil. Infants do not call out freedom into other people's lives. Infants do not go out and proclaim that the good news has come to planet Earth. Infants do not do that. Now, don't get me wrong. We are dependent on what has already been done for us. It is not in our own righteousness. We are dependent on God's righteousness, on the righteousness of Christ. We are dependent on that. We cannot do that righteousness in our own capacity. We are dependent on the cross for all forgiveness. But let me tell you, those things are done. Those things have already occurred. We're dependent, we were dependent on those when, when, when they occurred and they facilitated something in us and that becomes a foundation that we walk off of, not some place that we live in for the rest of our life. We need to be confident in what has been done for us, being a reality in us, and making choices to live forward from it. Bill Johnson says, gifts are free, but maturity is expensive. Sean Bowles says, part of the Father's joy is in developing you, and then watching you be strong and make great, very real choices. Why would the fruit of the Spirit be self-control if we were supposed to live dependent on His control? We must begin to believe that we actually have a new nature. And we need to step forward confidently 
into maturity in that nature. We are surrendered, but we're not slaves. See, just because I'm an adult now, it doesn't mean that I'm not still someone's son. Maturity doesn't replace sonship, it enhances it. As an adult, I am now both a son and a friend. I'm a co-laborer rather than a dependent. I don't know if, if you guys have had the privilege either as an adult child or as an, a, a parent of adult children to go on holidays with your adult children. There's a real shift in that dynamic. When we were over in London, um, my parents flew over um, to, to do some holidaying with us. And it was great. Rather than being told, hey, this is where we're going and this is what we're doing, we sat down. We had a discussion. I wanted to see things. Rach wanted to see things. Uh, my brother wanted to see things. My parents wanted to see things. We planned it together. That's what it looks like to be mature in the nature that God's placed within you and to be able to come to Him, sit with Him, have relationship with Him, go, hey, God, I've got an idea. Let's plant a church over there. And God goes, hey, that's a good idea. Let's do it. He doesn't expect us to, to wake up in the morning and go, God, I have no idea. Tell me what to do. No, he's saying, I've put something in you, now live it out. One is the mentality of an infant. One is the mentality of a mature adult. A mature adult has dreams. They, they develop them in themselves. I, I, I've got I've, what I believe is, is God-blessed dreams, but I decided what they were. I decided, hey God, you've put this gift in me. This is where I would love to see it go. And God goes, all right, let's go. Let's do this. You want to make an impact for the key? You want to call down heaven on earth? Let's do this. But I don't stand around every morning going, God, I need you to tell me what to do today. No, that's what an infant does. An adult is confident that the nature that he's about to make a decision based off of is his new nature. Too often we remain lying on a map or standing on the edge of the Jordan because we've got an infant mentality and we're awaiting God to rescue us, deliver us and fix the issue for us the way that he used to when we actually were infants in the faith. When he is standing right in front of us, using our insurmountable situation for the purpose of growing our faith and to reveal what is already in us. You see, what is in us is the nature that we receive when we were born again. He is using this situation in your life to demonstrate, not to him, that that nature is there. But he is trying to help you realize that that nature is there. He is trying to help you realize what is on the inside of you now. He is trying to help you realize that you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead living in you. And, and he might calm the storm once, but the second time he's happy to walk past and to meet you on the other side, hoping that you've learned by now that you have the same authority to look at the storm and go, stop. I, I firmly believe that the destiny of this church cannot sit on the shoulders of infants. Hebrews tells us that we become strong in the battle. Half the time we don't want to battle. Half the time we want to just relinquish. I'd rather just lie on my mat. You see, pain has a purpose. Testing has a reason. Your insurmountable situation 
is in front of you to draw something out of you. If there was never a Goliath standing taunting, would it have drawn the warrior spirit up out of David? When I first got saved, it used to be a bit of a running joke uh, within, amongst my friends. And um, even when I got engaged, um, Rach, Rach would often um, just laugh about this. Every single time there was, there was a guest preacher or, or, or a minister come to the church, um, and, and, and after their message, they'd go into a time of ministry and they'd begin prophesying over people. 100% of the time, I got called up. It was, it was like beyond funny. I just knew. I knew I was going to get a word. That happened for a period of oh, maybe five years and then began to dwindle out. Now it's rare. It's quite rare. And, and for a while, I really struggled with that. I thought that I'd done something wrong. I thought that somehow I'd, I'd, I had some major sin in my world that was blocking God from speaking to me. I thought maybe, maybe I'm not connecting with him. And, and how good is it now to know that I can't disconnect from him, that I'm inside of him. I'm not like attached to him and can fall away. No, no, he's got me. He's around me. Okay. I so love some of the, the, the reworking of my mindset that God has done for me. But you know what I realized? I realized that while I'm down the front, getting prophesied over, I don't have the capacity to turn around and prophesy. You see, I, I'm learning to be strong in the grace. God's graced me to preach and he's graced me to prophesy and, and, and he's had to do some things in me to develop in me the strength to be confident in that. So that, so that I'm not the one on the front row hoping that I get a prophetic word. I'm now the one on the front row listening to God saying, come on, God, I'm full, I'm ready to go. Who are we speaking to today? And you might walk up and God might not speak to me in that moment to pray for you, but I'm like, I'm gonna, I, got a word. I know I'm getting a word for you because I know it's in me. I put my hands on you and now I'm the one prophesying over you. But I could have stayed in that place where I didn't realize God was trying to mature me to be able to stand on my own two feet and walk into my calling because somehow he'd stopped speaking the way he used to. He doesn't need to speak to me out the front anymore. He speaks to me in the morning when it's just me and him hanging out. When I go to him, hey, Dad. What's happening? All right, I need, to, I need to move on quickly. Here we go. Joshua 1, 2, we're still at the start. After he says, arise, he says, go. After you stand up, you need to start walking. You need to move forward. It doesn't matter what state you're in. Here's the thing. Standing up doesn't necessarily mean that you don't have to carry your mat. Jesus said to the crippled man, stand up, pick up your mat and carry it. I can tell you, I'm still walking with baggage. I don't know about you. I'm not all complete yet. I still got all kinds of things that are trying to come against me and, and all these things from my past that are still trying to define me. But I've just determined that I'm just going to carry them with me while I walk. I'll get rid of them eventually because eventually I'll be so strong in who I am that I'll look at the map that I'm carrying and be like, I don't need that. But Jesus doesn't wait for us to get to that point. He knows that he can just get us to stand up and start walking. Then we're three quarters of the way there. So I don't know what it is that's, that's, that's trying to define you. You see, the mat for the man defined the place that he'd been for 38 years. It, it, it defined it. It was almost a part of his identity. I'm the crippled man on the mat. Just pick it up. Just go, okay, i got some anxiety. 
I'm walking with it. I'm walking with it. Then he goes on to say, you and all these people. You see, your breakthrough is never just for you. Your breakthrough is for the people around you. Your breakthrough is so that when you've stood up and walked through it, you can turn around and minister from it. There is a whole world out there that John's story depicts. It talks about a whole group of people lying uh, sick and lame and paralyzed. That is a picture of humanity. Can I tell you when that man that had been there for 38 years stood up and began walking, I bet he was able to turn around and go, hey guys, you don't need to wait for the pool anymore. There's someone over here who's, who's able to do it for you. And so when you learn to stand up and walk through something with God, you're able to turn around and say, hey guys, come on. We simply cannot remain as dependent infants and expect to see the things that God has called us to do. You see, momentum isn't one person taking 50 steps. It's 50 people taking one step. And then another, undeterred and determined to walk into the promise that lays before them. Then he talks about the land, which, which was the place of promise. There is a place, a destiny, an inheritance, a dream, a place of peace, a prosperity, a successful business, a healthy marriage, a clear head, a healthy body. I don't know what it is for you, but it exists. God has already determined that it exists. It is the promise of wholeness and completeness and freedom and healing, which we cannot attain by remaining stationary. The further we walk into it, the greater we will experience the fullness of it. The possession is found in the moving. The faith is in the get up and the miracle is in the movement. As the man stood, he was healed. He goes on to say, which I am giving them. I don't know if you realize, but that statement articulates that it is a done deal. It is something that is already done, but waiting. It is already there, but it's waiting. The gift is already there, but actually God is waiting for you to get up and go and receive the gift. The land was, it was already theirs in the eyes of God. It was a done deal. He had already given it to them. It was earmarked, the, the, the title deed was signed as the Israelites' possession. They just had to walk into it. That's all they had to do. Get up, cross the river, walk into it. Oh, and some fights and battles along the way. So that, so that you become strong in the battle. So that when you do acquire the whole land, you're capable of standing in it. You know, it's so easy for me to see this church bursting at the, at the seams. It is so easy for me to see this church with multiple campuses around the city bursting and growing. These little hubs of life and freedom and peace. It's easy for me to see this church in the thousands upon thousands because I know nothing is impossible with God. He can do far greater than I can think or imagine. And I can ma imagine pretty big. But I also know that there's a strength required to be able to hold that amount of land and to not give it back to the Moabites, to the Philistines, 
all those that would try to take the promised land back from the Israelites time and time and time and time again. The Babylonians, time and time and time again, wave after wave after wave after wave was going to come. And hey, look, don't, don't be naive. Wave after wave after wave after wave through history has tried to come against the church and will continue to try to come against the church because the devil doesn't want the church to rise up and to bring the kingdom of heaven to earth. But I'm telling you, as we go through battle after battle, as we as a people determine that we individually will rise up and take one step, what's going to happen is us corporately are all going to take a step together and we're going to begin to develop a strength in all of us together so that when we arrive at the promised land, we are going to be strong enough to stand and withhold the land that God has for us in this city. John 1.3 says, every place, there is not one situation that does not relate to that. There is no condition, there is no mistake, there is no decision that doesn't hold true for this for this particular scripture, every place means every place. John 1.3 goes on to say, the sole of your foot, every place the sole of your foot will tread upon. Have you ever tried placing the sole of your foot somewhere without walking? Have you ever tried remaining on your mat and trying to place the sole of your foot, the bottom of your foot onto a piece of ground? It's almost impossible. To place the sole of your foot somewhere, you must be upstanding. You must be walking forward. I think it's interesting that God is calling us to stand up. There is no doubt He has land for us not just physical, but there is, there is a land that the kingdom of heaven, we know, pull it down into places in this city like never before. But we have to be a people that are willing to recognize that the spirit of the living God is inside of us. He is in you and He is in you and He is in you and He is in you so that Jesus can stand next to you and go, it is time for you to learn that it is in you and that that situation that is facing you is only facing you until you learn that you are able to stand up and you are able to speak to that storm and you are able to speak to that mountain and you are able to tell that thing to get out of your life and you are able to, to move it because He knows that when you do that, you learn the strength that He has put inside of you already. Some of you have been on the mat for too long. And this is not a, about shame or guilt. This is a stirring. The Holy Spirit is here. Jesus is standing like He was in front of the crippled man with His only desire to be for you to recognize that you have inside of you all that you need to stand. Now is the day. Now is your day. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.